international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Welcome to Radhika Rao, Senior Economist at DBS Bank, for a view on India. Good morning, Radhika. Hi, good morning. Uh, happy to be here. Lovely to have you. And I have to say, India is one of my favourite countries. I lived there for two years and just grew to love the country and the people. So really looking forward to our chat, Radhika. Okay, starting off with India's just finished its presidency of the G20. Did India get the most benefit possible from its presidency? And how has it, um, how has President Modi, sorry, Prime Minister Modi benefited? Uh, certainly, I think it. Um, I mean, it did provide a you know a large uh, diplomatic uh, you know platform for the economy as well as um, the leadership. Uh, and I think I, overall assessment, I would think there were more hits than misses um, in India's uh, debut G20 presidency. Uh, now, India has been one of the champions of uh, you know global South. Uh, so towards this, I think the leadership has been able to uh, was able to achieve uh, considerable climate commitments, and and say some you know equitable green financing uh, uh, binds as well. In effect, you know it's making G20 much more I would think tuned to. Uh, what the developing world needs uh, and other aspects I would think you know things like financial inclusion um, sustainable development goals if India itself has a public uh, digital infra framework uh, so they you know they've got more international interest in it um, and I think the, the other deliverable I would think was South Africa was inducted as the latest Correct, member yes. um, and you know and finally uh, I think a lot of uh, time has also I mean, a lot of attention has also been given to this MOU that has been signed uh, between India MENA uh, and uh, Europe uh, for a possible infra trade connective linkage. Uh, you know, at some point, I think uh, it might uh, uh, be an alternative to China's BRI, but at this point, it's still an MOU. So, you know, a lot of viability financing studies need to still happen. Okay, so it sounds like pretty good news, and Prime Minister Modi must have benefited from all of this. Uh, Certainly, yes, it does bring, um, I mean, uh, strategic alliances with other countries, especially the West, uh, has certainly been strengthened. So this provided one other opportunity. Okay. Now, yesterday, uh, the Indian retail inflation figures were out and they dropped from 7.5% to 6.8%. But what shocked me when I was looking into it is vegetable inflation apparently was 37% and dropped to 26%. And I was thinking about a lot of my Indian friends being vegetarians. Um, but how would the RBA, RBI rather, react to this information and data? Uh, yeah, I mean, this was, uh, I mean, the 7.4% that came out for July was, uh, you know, quite a shocker when it was released. And this was a welcome relief, uh, taking it down to 6.8. Uh, like you rightly mentioned, a bulk of the correction was on because of vegetables inflation. Um, uh, but if you do take out vegetable inflations, in fact, ex-vegetable food basket was still quite sticky. Uh, you know, cereal prices, pulses or lentils. Uh, spices, these kind of some of the other commodity groups were still sticky. Um, so that came out of the data as well as uh, so if you look at the way forward for the central bank, while they will be very comforted and I think they did make a case as well uh, that, you know, this is a very supply driven shock. Uh, it will fade and vegetables usually have a 
short crop cycle uh, so supplies will uh, will be met pretty soon uh, so that is you know kind of playing out and i think into september october you will see more of that happen as well uh, but i do think it's too early for the central bank essentially to let its guard down uh, you know you've got oil prices um, that are going up uh, you've got an el nino that's playing in the background mm. uh, which might or might not impact uh, you know the winter crop summer um rainy season is right right at the tail end uh, so a lot of moving parts uh, overall for the inflation picture uh, so i would think the central bank will maintain uh, its preferred stance of being hawkish uh, but not move on rates and i think that will be another uh, you know stance you will see play out at the uh, october policy review as well okay now as organizations are pulling away for china um it opens an opportunity for india but how does india stack up against its other emerging market competitors to try and attract this business away from china my guest yesterday believed that vietnam is actually likely to be the first choice and do better um do you think that's the case uh, vietnam uh, certainly i mean it has benefited um because of its existing tailwinds i mean proximity to china uh, it's got a, a whole sort of favorable incentives for manufacturers uh, there's also existing um you know capacity um especially on infrastructure as well as industrial uh, strength including many of this you know multinational firms including korean names chinese names are are as well as mncs uh, western names are uh, are operating in the economy so it's not surprising that they would benefit as well uh, but i think it will be as a stand alone vietnam will not be able to absorb all the incremental or the shift in the incremental yeah. capacity mm. that's where india comes in uh this has really provided a strategic opportunity for for india uh you know i think they're both push and pull india's always wanted to have a bigger manufacturing footprint at this point that supply chain reorientation is really playing uh in in india's favor and uh, we have seen policies domestically really being geared towards you know make in india uh, making india uh, more self reliant uh and i would think if you want to talk about some sectors initial success has already been seen in mobile phone and large electronics manufacturing facilities so in fact i had the opportunity to go uh, to visit some of these plants and these are uh, enormous by you know, international standards so uh, i would think certainly there is being headway being made uh, and it this shift to my mind is here to stay you know so over the next 5 to 10 years uh, you would see more and more that capacity fold in and just uh, i think overnight there was this announcement that iphone is also going to release its latest model um while it is doing assembly in india this model will also be released uh, to the indian consumer at the same time yeah, uh, so coming back to your question certainly you know it's it's a strategic opportunity and india's uh, an indian government i would think is making the best use of that of that uh, pocket I mean certainly when I was there it was leveraging the tech talent and I should think there's much more tech talent in India versus Vietnam uh would there be radica so um a lot of it'd be more attractive for tech companies for India uh certainly so i think the kind of uh, tech knowledge that um india has has a clear strength in is, uh, is to do much more with you know software uh and the it sector uh, services exports uh, so to speak and i think in that as well you've seen this very interesting shift from just uh, normal bpo uh, you know software services towards more what we call the gccs you know so many of the global insurance bfsi players have actually sent up set up capability centers in india uh, which takes in everything from not just you know back end work but also things like tax hr 
uh, and some of the other uh, crucial functions as well. So in a way, you've seen that value add because of the tech talent uh, that India homes. So certainly, so manufacturing footprint is something that is uh, catching up. Uh, where it already has a strength, like you rightly pointed out, uh, is on the services and especially IT and software services. Okay, let's move on to the Nifty 50. Now, that's a great name for an index, isn't it? I think it's my favourite one from them all. Uh, but which way do you see it going over the rest of the year? and What sectors do you feel are particularly interesting? Uh, sure. I, I, think, I think at the onset, I need to mention I'm not a sector equity analyst. Mm, okay. So, but I'll do share my, my general observations. Yes. Um, you know, equity market action in India has been a very exciting place uh, for the last mm. uh, almost more than a year and a half. Uh, and if you see the latest quarter, which is April to June, um, you know, the uh, auto energy as well as uh, the uh, leading financial sector players um, had a very good, uh, you know, innings. They, I mean, the sectoral performance was among the best. Uh, and what came to the rescue of most corporates uh, and sectors was input cost deflation, you know, because hmm. uh, commodity prices have been going down. So that has provided quite a bit of relief on the margins. Um, indexes at record highs. Um, you know, there's a lot of foreign money being uh, pumped in as well, about 15 billion and counting for this calendar year. Uh, and on a more structural note, I would think uh, there are a lot of things that have changed uh, again in the past couple of years. Uh, you know, uh, onboarding new clients has become uh, much easier. There's digital onboarding, there's use of eKYC, uh, there's also e-sign of, uh, you know, the local, uh, uh, what we call the biometric identification. You can open a DMAT account more easily, more retail participation as well. So these are some of the structural things that are really helping the equity markets. Um, but at this point, you know, it's rallied so much. It's at record highs now. That valuation aspect always kicks in. Uh, you know, the last check, I think it was about 20x for the year that we are in. So it, it remains anybody's call on whether there is further upside uh, here from here uh, or, you know, a bit more consolidation. Well, thank you to Radhika Rao, Senior Economist at DBS Bank, for that fascinating look.